It's time for Modern Times Rock and Roll, ladies and gents. This is my seventh queen deep dive, lucky number seven. And today is a big shift because this is the first official Roger Taylor composition in Queen's catalog, the track Modern Times Rock and Roll. Yes, this is an awesome number. And I didn't initially appreciate it as much as I do now, like some of their most entertaining and energetic tracks in their catalog. This one crept up on me after I initially kind of went, eh. <laughs> I am not lying. It took a little while to impress me with its energy, its unabashed tribute to the rock and roll lifestyle. And watching some of the live performances as well, it really invigorates you. It, it gets to you slowly but surely. This is a fantastic awakening after the soft and soothing The Night Comes Down, which is a Brian May track, and we talked about that previously. But this is all Raja Taylor, and this was recorded recorded at Trident Studios in 72. I don't know when it was written. I could not find that information. My guess is it was sometime maybe a year or two prior within that time frame. This is hard rock punk blues. That's what I'm calling it. Couldn't find an official description for the genre of this song, but this is indeed a punk-like number. Super punkish. <laughs> and appropriately so, because again, this is all rock and roll, Raja Taylor, Rowdy Raj. So not ever a single, never charted, but uh, it's very, very fast. I am clocking this somewhere in the 200 plus BPMs per minute range. I mean, super, super fast. I don't think he ever wrote anything else this quick. So if you're looking for totally, totally energizing over the top, this is the number for you. It's very straightforward. 4-4 four, four time signature, bluesy E major with a Dorian inflection, which flattens the third and flats the seventh as well in that scale, creates that minor flavor, and it's also G major. So we've got a little shifting key here, but other than that, this is very, very basic rock and roll at its finest. Composed on guitar, the only song on their debut without Freddie on lead vocals. So it celebrates the energetic glam rock scene of the time. It encourages the embracing of the lifestyle with those driving drums, of course, stylish lines, lots of layered and delayed guitar work, and Roger's bluesy, quote unquote, spoken performance. Ultimately, Roger is singing about the very scene and music style that Queen helped cultivate and dominate. And it's flat out fun. I mean, that is the word of the day here. Totally fun. Now, I do want to note that the sound quality on this track is noticeably lacking. It's very unfortunate. And I think that's due in large part to the less than ideal recording setup and availability at Trident Studios. I think I might have mentioned this before, that when they were creating and recording the tracks for their debut, they were doing it at off hours, oftentimes in the middle of the night when other artists, they were taking their time in there. And so the guys took every opportunity they could to go in and record. And sometimes they just didn't have exactly what they wanted or needed. That would be my best guess. So there's thinner drum sounds and the bass is really not as punchy. 
super sad because again, this is Roger's first big debut composition and it's appropriately over the top and energetic, but it really doesn't have the same clean quality that some of the other numbers do, especially when you consider how nicely balanced the night comes down, which was just before this sounded. But anyway, moving on a little bit about this song. So band critique. Roger himself in an interview, and I don't know when this was or where he was, but he mentioned his earliest compositions, including this one, were no masterpieces. <laughs> so I think he realized that he wasn't really trying his hardest here, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is a total celebration. And sometimes those songs just come out fast and furious, and they're fantastic because of it. He does have some absolutely beautiful, gorgeous, reflective pieces, very nostalgic stuff we're going to get to later. But yes, I think even he knew that this was not anything to write home about or be like, hey, look at what I did. This is so awesome. But that being said, this is... It is awesome in its own right. What am I saying? This is Queen, everybody. This is Queen, totally bombastic Queen, as it should be. All pomp and celebration and rowdiness of the rock and roll scene. It's all Raj. He's giving a nod to the earlier and older roots of the fad while encouraging the new style and the new stuff. And you hear this in some of the lyrics he talks about, you know, had to make do with a worn out rock and roll scene. The old Bob's getting tired, need a rest, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't ever say lyrics like that and not kind of do them to the rhythm, you know what I mean? It just sort of comes naturally when you've listened to it so many times. Some fun facts about this song. There's quite a few of them as I dug into this. This, honestly, was one of those moments where I was totally surprised at the depth and the history in the little tidbits behind this song. Because, again, it's not very long. What is this thing? Like, seriously, I got to go and look because... I think it's literally about a minute and a half, two minutes long. Yeah. A minute 48. A solid minute 48. That's how fast this is. I mean, it has two verses in it, three verses in it. It's got a guitar solo in it too. And yet it's still less than two minutes long. That's how furiously paced this thing is. But there's still a lot of little fun tidbits in here. So let's get right to it. The lyrics borrow lines from Chuck Berry's Roll Over Beethoven fun little fact. Also, producer John Anthony shouts the really low look out line near the end. <laughs> it's so fun. The piano used was the famous Hey Jude Beckstein. That is a super cool fact. I had no idea, no idea that that was the case. There's also a little bit of Led Zeppelin influence here, at least a little bit. The guys were pretty open about that fact that Led Zeppelin was an influence on some songs, especially in the early days. So I'm not surprised at all. And I just discovered this quote that despite Raj's outstanding solos and the generally attention-grabbing drumming that he has, this is something from his Wembley Weekend interview. Listen to this. He said, drum solos were cliche in the early 70s, and it was just something that one did and I never really honestly enjoyed playing the actual solos. I always preferred playing as part of the ensemble part of the band. They're just showing off, aren't they, really? Especially when you're playing to a lot of people in big concerts. If I did a sort of solo and suddenly looked down and noticed people going out for a hot dog, I'd never want to do it again because you knew that you were boring people. Never affected Brian, though. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that he says that. Him and Brian were total brothers. I have always been that way, I swear. You should see them bicker in some of their interviews. It's hilarious. They tell each other to shut up. They laugh about it. It's really great. Anyway, their camaraderie is awesome. I love that part of their relationship and how they worked together. But he brings up an interesting feeling and sentiment about drum solos. I love drum solos. I am all for a drum solo. I mean, give me like a 10-minute drum solo. Seriously. I could easily have watched and listened to Raj do a long solo and Brian do a short one for just once <laughs> because Brian's solos in live performances tend to be like eight minutes long. I love drum solos. There's so much energy there. But yeah, he's got a good point that Brian would kind of just flower everything up and have fun with the echo and essentially playing solos with himself using the delay and layering the harmonies, which is interesting and very cool. And maybe people just generally prefer the sound of a guitar over the drums, but, you know, to each their own. I digress about it, but I really, truly am sad to learn that he was not a big, big fan of playing an awesome drum solo. Not that he didn't love to play or still loves to play, but I'm just saying, you know, Raj, break out the drums. Seriously, I want more. I want more drums. Okay. On to the rest about this song. Let's dive right in. Let's talk a little bit about the song from start to finish. It's very short, so we're not going to have too much going on here, but this is all fun, fun, fun. The moodiness of The Night Comes Down and its surprise power chord ending, remember that? It kind of goes and it just feels very surprising and a little bit threatening. Immediately, this kicks off. It's all grunge. Yep, I am using that word, grunge. Some punk, hard, rough, totally solid. Power chords with Raj growling, snarling, and singing over everything. He definitely brought out roughness and that grittiness in his voice on this song. It's really quite fun. It's delivered in a very bluesy manner. We have two powerful guitar lines framing the left and the right. We've got power chords on the left, embellished riffs on the right from Brian. And in the chorus, Freddie and Roger both join the fun with that modern times. And Raj himself accentuates the rock and roll. Yes. Can we talk about the symbols here? Oh my gosh. I mean, they're everywhere and all the time. Brian shines in his raucous and unresting solo in the middle, all energized in fire, youthful enthusiasm. And a piano chimes in on the third verse, that Hey Jude piano I talked about. Super bluesy, fun, pounding and bright. It's a nice contrast against that heavy, persisting drum and bass. There isn't a lot of depth to this as far as content, but there shouldn't be. It's all about the experience, the bust through the ceiling energy and excessiveness of it all. Get your high-heeled guitar-style boots and some groovy clothes. Get a hairpiece on your chest and a ring through your nose. Yes, this was the time. And Queen were all over it. Later, they'd poke fun at themselves and their long hair and the sparkling jewelry and the moody photo shoots, but they built their vibe on this style. And Again, not initially one of my favorites, this song, but I appreciate its brevity, its levity, and I love Raj's outro with that growling rock and roll at the end. It's so good. That delay, it just keeps going and fades out. You won't find a more straightforward rock and roll song on their debut. So if that's what you came for, this is totally it. Totally it. I want to come back to a little bit about performances of this song. So it was performed live, mostly in 74 and 75, 100 or so times total, with Freddie on the lead vocals for more pow. 
This really shines live, this song, because it's longer. It's great to hear Freddie's lead vocals on Roger's lyrics. He changes it up a little bit. He kind of varies that arrangement and it makes it more surprising and it makes it more his, honestly. And Roger always has a blast playing this. Just watch the Live at the Rainbow 74 performance. You can just see him sitting at those drums, just smiling away. So fun. And together, he and Freddie would close the song out. They'd go back and forth almost like a battle, you know, rock and roll, rock and roll. And John boogies down on that bass, as always. This song was also re-recorded twice for the BBC in 73 and in 74. The latter was included on the 89 bootleg release at the Beeb, which I have. And the vocals from Roger on that take are really loud. Like, I mean, surprisingly loud. I'm like, oh, that's, wow, you're right there in front of my face. Now, the former's tempo is notable because it's slower. It's easier to understand Raj. And the production is actually cleaner. His growl and his grit in this version, because he has more time to dig in, is really fun. And that ending, that scream of rock and roll... Freddie's responses sound almost out of place here. It's weird just because I'm not used to hearing a studio performance of this with Freddie chiming in with any kind of, you know, call and response vocals. So it's almost weird, but it's still a lot of fun. And the riffs and the rolling drums on the outro, that slide whistle is so, again, fun. Total fun, total awesomeness. Not a very deep track, but shouldn't be. This is great, coming from Raj. And that is Modern Times Rock and Roll. It's interesting, too, that listening to this, it does sound quite dated. I hate to say it, but it does. But at the time, I'm sure this was absolutely it for people who were part of this scene, right? This is what it was about. This was, you know, David Bowie and Led Zeppelin and these artists like Queen who were coming into this new energy of rock and roll, who were creating it, who established it and became the establishment of rock and roll in some respects. So it's just interesting to think about the history before and right around this time of the song's release and what was going on in the world of music. And Roger just jumped on it because he loves rock and roll. He's arguably the one in the group that loves it more than any of the others, except maybe Brian. It really shows here. And that bluesy influence is quite obvious and interesting, too, because you don't really have much more of that on the album. You know, you've got Freddie and Brian doing all these tracks that are quite, I would say, much more theatrical and much more reflective, respectively. But then you have this just totally solid rock number coming from Raj. Very appropriate. All right, guys, that is Modern Times Rock and Roll, my seventh Queen Deep Dive, and I'll be back again with some more dives and some more thoughts. Stay warm out there. Try to stay safe as well. It's been a pretty crazy time with the weather, but we are in February. Good times. Modern Times Rock and Roll. Catch you later, guys.